We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am the host, and joining me is my guy, Tyler, as always. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning? I'm all right. I feel like I know what's happening tomorrow, so I'm just kind of even-keeled, and I'm happy to be surprised tomorrow if they win, but uh, yeah, I'm all right. How are you doing, Steven? I'm doing good. It's uh, Saturday, so uh, once we finish recording this, I'm all Utah, no Chargers, so uh you know big game for for utah uh unfortunately don't feel great about the chances of either of my teams winning this week uh Mm. utah does not know how to score the football right now and uh the chargers are kind of a a hot mess right now too so uh you know it is what it is but should fun college football saturday uh excited to uh get back and watch the, the rest of this ohio state and penn state game um, if you've been watching Alex Katzen's video, you've seen that the Chargers scouts have been very present for Penn State football. Um, they are there at the horseshoe today in Ohio for, I believe this is the fifth time the scouts have been present watching Penn State football. So maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but uh, it should be a great game. And uh, hopefully you guys, whatever team you are rooting for wins today, unless you root for the USC Chargers. Fine. <laughs> well, it's been it's been a good pod. <laughs> oh man, funny, funny, funny. 
Uh, speaking of former USC Trojans, uh, if you missed it, I got to interview Tuli Tuipolotu yesterday. Uh, honestly, was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done with a Chargers player. Um, just super personable, you know, gave great answers. And um, we can talk about, you know, some of your takeaways from this, Tyler. But I think one of the things I really enjoyed is just really hearing how much Khalil Mack in particular and Joey, but Khalil in particular is really paving the way for Thule and, and what he's doing as the player and the kind of mentality that, that Thule is passing or that Khalil is passing along to Thule. You know, I asked him about that play where Kenneth Murray got the tackle for loss and he took on Tyler Smith, you know, head on. He was pulling across the formation on a trap play. And he was like, I don't, I don't have a choice. Like he's like, he's coming at me and I see Khalil Mack do this all the time. So, mm. you know, I, I think hearing about how much, uh, Khalil and Joey mean to to Tuli right now was really really cool thing for me for me to hear. He's really absorbing everything from from those two. Yeah, he's only he could only be as good as he is so far because of some of the mentors that he has around him. And of course, you know we've seen Joey and in the All In clip, we see a lot of him talking to Joey and you know how he was so excited just to be celebrating with Joey after that one play that meant mm -hmm. the world to him because he's like, oh, I'm finally contributing. It's like, yeah, you're finally, yeah, you're contributing just fine. <laughs> you're pretty um, good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, you are definitely contributing. Um, so that was great. The part about, you know, power being so important was awesome. And that's certainly an aspect of his game I thought would translate pretty well. And it did and has certainly early on. The rest has all been, you know, icing and cherry on, cherry on top and whatnot. Um, but good guy, good kid. I, I, I never know how an interview is going to go. But yeah. I always can kind of tell based on how long the interview went sometimes. And sometimes it's just like the guy only has 10 minutes and that's it. So you have to stick by the 10 minutes. So to see like a, an 18-minute interview out of this just kind of speaks to you know the, the questions that you asked, of course, but also the answers that Thule provided and, and how uh, generous he was with his time. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, a lot of the times, like Tyler said, you know, we work with the team <clears throat> to uh, get these arranged. And sometimes these players on travel weeks don't have as much time you know uh sometimes they have meetings right after sometimes they have to go to therapy or rehab or whatever the case may be um and so sometimes we get 10 minutes this this time i was lucky enough to get around 20 with Thule. um and just I, I thought he was super thoughtful with his questions or with his answers excuse me um so it, it was a great discussion hopefully you guys watched it um, every time I get in an, an interview with these players in advance, uh, I will ask the Discord members for some questions. Um, so that's a good benefit if you're if you're interested in, in joining the Discord or if you're kind of on the fence and you've never been wanting to ask some Chargers players some questions. That's that's a great way for you to do that. Um, our guy Baconator had a great question about like um, the advice that Tuli has been getting from Khalil and Joey and Joey when I asked him that question. Tuli was he thought about it for like 15 seconds. He couldn't decide like where to take that question because, you know, you could just tell that those two mean so much to him. And then eventually he was able to to give a good answer. But um, so, it, you know, we got some great questions from the discord. You know, I obviously prepared my own questions and uh, thankfully Tuli had enough time to make it work. And it was uh, it was a great interview. So, uh, again, if you missed it, please go check it out. Um, you know, one of the probably the biggest uh, positive side of the season so far, specifically for the defense. Um, and hopefully you guys got a little bit more insight into Thule. It was kind of Thule week. We talked about him on the Chargers channel, on our <laughs> channel. And then he did, he was all the all-in feature. And then we got to interview him. So 
uh, happy Thule week, I guess. Yeah, Thule week, Thule being great already, and a GAC bump. Like, what is going to happen on Sunday, man? Like, Chargers are going <laughs> to lose, but what's he going to do on Sunday? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Should be fun. Should be fun. Um, positive matchup, I think, for for both for all of the Chargers edge ed rushers uh, this week against the Chiefs offensive tackle. So, should be fun. All right, Tyler. Uh, as always, we'll have our final injury report status here. Um, I, I think the the biggest, most positive piece of news this week that we can talk about, and, and you tweeted about this at, with the injury report. Uh, no injury designation for Joey Bosa heading into the game week. He was a full participant in practice yesterday for the first time leading since leading up to the Dolphins game. Uh, he's had the hamstring injury, and he's been dealing with this broken toe, which he disclosed yesterday, which our Discord members knew several weeks ago, um, and he's been playing through that. So no injury designation for Joey. It seems like he's getting healthy, healthier. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to finish the defensive film, but what did you think of what you saw from Joey and what does him being healthy uh, mean for him going forward in this defense? I didn't watch Joey specifically that game. I was mostly just watching, honestly, just Derwin. What was his contribution to the game? So mine was more secondary focused and trenches focused. And then a bit more of the interior defensive line. So I didn't watch Joey specifically, but him being healthy is is awesome. And look, Tuli's been the best defender. Tuli's arguably the best player on defense, the most consistent player on defense. But Joey Bosa, when he is healthy and when he gets going, is a significantly better pure edge rusher. And I know that people want to just immediately move on. You know, Thule should start over Joey, whatever. And there definitely needs to be a lot of Thule on the field. There should be a lot of Thule on the field, no matter who's yeah. healthy. But Joey is still the guy that is the better pure edge rusher, probably the best of the three of them at rushing the passer in terms of what he can do. Now, if he's healthy, it's a whole other story. But it's nice to see that he is that he's officially off the injury report. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what kind of fracture it was. We knew it was a fracture. Like you said, Discord knew it was a fracture. But we didn't know what kind of fracture. So I'm glad to hear it was a small whatever fracture and that he's mostly over it. But this like this is it. You know, the storyline is going to be Herbert versus Mahomes, but one quarterbacks never play each other like that. Um yeah. two, I, I really think the storyline for this game, if they win or lose, it's can these three edge rushers and the interior stop Patrick Mahomes and yeah. hold contain when he tries to scramble or whatever it is. Like this is really what it comes down to is three, three guys right here because there's no, we assume Derwin James or at minimum a very limited Derwin James. I'm just praying that Travis Kelsey doesn't have 200 and that's really it at this point. Yeah. He's, he's going to have a big day and if he doesn't, I'll be stunned. Um, but if he doesn't potentially it's because of these edge rushers getting to Patrick Mahomes. So um, them having, what seems to be their best situation of having the three together because yeah, sure. They had that in week one, but Thule, we had no idea he was going to be this. Now you do know what he can bring. So this is the best one, two, three they've had um, of the season. They seem to be the healthiest they've been. And like, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Rumpf has zero pressures still through a few games. Now he's still coming back from injury. He's not playing a ton, but he hasn't had that same impact, right? There's a very big difference in impact between Thule and limited snaps versus Chris Rumpf limited snaps so having that as your true one two three is going to be awesome this week yeah just a slight difference there um you know like uh, people are so quick to just you know try and ship joey bosa off and, and you know he's always heard and, and Tuli should be the guy and Tuli should definitely be on the field more often i agree but 
the best kind of combination that the Chargers have is when Joey Bosa is out there because it means you're able to move him around. It means you're able to move Thule around and, and just seek out mismatches, um, you know, and, and create those one-on-one opportunities. It means you can move Morgan Fox around. Um, so Joey and healthy relative for Joey at this point, like I, like the injuries are what they are. You pointed this out. Joey's always kind of seems to be dealing with something, but he also plays through a lot. You know, he, he plays through the hamstring, he plays through the toe, and he's been effective in certain moments. Like, I don't think people realize, like, how just not excruciating, but annoying dealing with a broken toe would be as an edge rusher who's always on the front of your toes and trying to plant with a broken toe, how painful that can be. Um, I thought watching the film back, Joey made an impact for sure. There were two pressures he had that were negated by uh secondary penalties he had a super clean inside uh scissors swipe on tyron smith and got home uh with a pressure and, and hit dak prescott and dak rolled out and then that caused a defensive holding penalty on i think it was just your taylor um there were a couple other pressures in there he had a couple really nice run defense reps so joey's making an impact it's just not showing up in the sack department yet but also he rushed the passer like 21 times total i think um so as he continues to rush the passer more he's he's gonna have more opportunities for sacks and more opportunities to change the game so you mentioned it like the secondary is in in such a tough spot right now derwin which we can definitely talk about he has an ankle injury he's questionable his status is completely up in the air right now. I think Brandon Staley indicated yesterday it's a game-time decision. They had Jalen Hawkins have some kind of illness with dehydration issues, get carved off the field in his first practice. So he has one practice with the Chargers under his belt, and he's probably going to play like 15, 20 snaps uh, against this team because the Chargers' safety room is just so thin right now with Elohi Gilman out. Uh, the cornerbacks are struggling, so – the best path the Chargers defense has to stopping this team is, is getting home uh, on Patrick Mahomes. And so uh, Joey Bosa being healthy, Thule coming into his own. Khalil has been rushing the passer much more effectively the last few weeks. Morgan Fox has been super efficient with his rushes. That's the path. Get home on Patrick Mahomes. Get some sacks. Maybe you create a turnover or two. And, you know, you can ease the pressure on your secondary. Now that I'm thinking of it, how have the Chargers been after the defense gets a takeaway, which hasn't been a ton, but after the defense takes gets a takeaway or or the second or special teams forces a fumble, how have they been? I feel like well, they scored after the special teams fumble right. uh, against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Against the Raiders, they I think they scored at least one touchdown after the turnover. Is there like a big stat for that? Probably. NFL points or somebody in the chat can do some of the legwork for us um, but yeah that'll be huge I don't know so I'm, I'm actually currently watching the offense again and just sort of watching Herbert and I thought that game was really bad um, I'm only in the first half of the game but I thought it was even worse than I thought when watching it live um, there's an aspect of timing of play calling and helping out your quarterback that I think Kellen Moore could have improved on but with that said there are so many opportunities beyond the Keenan plays beyond the one flat to Darius Davis where like Palmer was open or Keenan was open again. And Herbert was just, I don't know. I don't know what happened to Herbert that game, but he wasn't anticipating. You know, there was clearly a shot play to Josh Palmer where Quentin Johnson occupied um, the corner and the safety. 
and Herbert was looking that way, but instead of anticipating and throwing to where Palmer would be, he just like turned away and I forget what happened. It was a rollout or something. We ended up scrambling. It was a bad game. So what I'm trying to say is if the offense and Herbert struggle again, some of these takeaways will be great for this team. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to find like a specific stat. I can't find one. I feel like they've been much better this year scoring after a turnover. Last year, I feel like anytime the defense got a turnover, it was just kind of like three and out or whatever. Um, against the Vikings, they didn't force any turnovers, did they? Maybe downs. Maybe downs. Okay, so against the Raiders, they uh, the first forced fumble that they had. Okay, so they scored two touchdowns after the two fumbles uh, against the Raiders. Uh, and then the interception was the end of the game. So two for three, but really like a score opportunity. Um. I wish there were a faster way to do this, but you know, just going <laughs> through the ESPN play-by-play right now. Um, let's see. Addison fumble did they score? Uh, they against the Vikings after the Vikings fumble, the Chargers scored a touchdown. Hmm. That was the only turnover of the day. Uh, they had fourth downs, like you mentioned. The Chargers also went downs after that, and then the Kirk interception was the end. Of- Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty good efficiency so far. Let's look at the Titans game. I know against the Dolphins it wasn't that, but we'll get to them in a second here. Against the Titans, the Chargers scored a field goal after the fourth the first fourth down series. Mm. Um, and that was the only turnover of the day for the Titans, which is great. Love that. That game really is just so much fun to look at again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Dolphins game. This is live TV folks. Okay, so against the Dolphins, Tua fumbled that snap on the opening drive. Chargers scored a touchdown on that next drive. Um, second half, or yeah, second half, Tua threw that interception to JC. Um, the Chargers went promptly three and out after that one, and that was it. So they were one for two after touch after turnovers that day. So pretty good, you know. A couple field goals, a couple touchdown drives, pretty good. Yeah. All right. Point uh, is, create some turnovers and score. Yes. Yes. Um, I am curious about this this specific matchup because Arjun has pointed out he's done great work with the shadow report. Um, and I was talking with Daniel Harms, who who's a Chiefs film analyst, um, about their secondary. And, and Legereus Sneed has been very intentionally shadowing number one receivers this year, and he's playing great football right now. Um, but Keenan Allen obviously plays in the slot more often than not. And that's obviously where Keenan, uh, where Trent McDuffie lines up. So 
I am curious what happens if the Chiefs kind of elect to have Legarius Sneed follow Joshua Palmer. I think that's a very that's a mm. bad thing. <laughs> um, if Legarius <laughs> Need is is shadowing Josh Palmer, I think that that means Josh Palmer is going to be like a non-factor. I like Josh Palmer. I think he's a fine number two. I think he's a fine number three receiver. Um, but Legarius Need is one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now. And so if he shadows Josh Palmer, uh, I think the Chargers are going to have to pivot to another direction. Um, if they have Snead follow Keenan Allen, I think that's probably a good thing because Keenan Allen uh, has shown in the past that he can beat Snead and, and create separation. And he's Keenan Allen. He's playing at a super high level. Mm-hmm. So I am curious to see what Spagnolo does with his cornerbacks. If he just is like, hey, we trust Trent McDuffie and on Keenan Allen. That's a good thing. If we just kind of play like static alignment, you know, so I am going to keep an eye on where Legarius Snead is going. If he's following somebody, who is he following? And how do the Chargers respond to that? So if he's following Joshua Palmer, the Chargers are going to have to find another direction to, you know, create some passing plays. You know, Josh Palmer has been such a key piece for them without Mike Williams. Does that finally lead to a Quentin Johnston game? You pointed out in your bold predictions, you know, Gerald Everett. Is this a Gerald Everett game? So I am curious to see what kind of answers Kellmore has for Legereus Need and how Spagnolo on the other side is is using him. That's one of the the things that we didn't talk about on Thursday that I did want to talk about today. Hmm. I'm I'm almost curious because even Arjun pointed out recently, like, oh, I feel I'm pretty bullish on the Chargers offense this week because of how they how good they are against the Blitz. Yeah. And obviously we talked about how the Chiefs love to blitz. What are the odds he just completely throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing and just allows his front to go, especially with the Menahu back? And instead of blitzing like crazy, allows his guys to just win up front and, and kind of throw off what I would expect from this game. I would have to look at the numbers more. I feel like Spagnolo generally stays true to who he is and blitzes a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, like, I can't remember off the top of my head if he's ever really like backed off the blitz against the Chargers. But... I'm going to look it up. Okay. I'm going to look up at least last year's final game. Yeah. So again, that's another thing. If you missed Arjun's report, and that is something that he talked about, the Chargers, I, I, they, he put it in his graphic. I can't remember which, which thing it was for, but the Chargers are number one in league in EPA per play. I think it's against the Blitz. Am I, am I right there? Sure. Is that, I missed that, that one. Stat? Sorry. I, I okay. didn't, I didn't pick up that one. Either way, the Chargers are fantastic against the Blitz, and I, generally speaking, that's what Justin Herbert has played well with. And you know, the, the thing that the Chargers' offensive line is struggling more with is is like the stunt packages that come with these teams, and that is something that Spagnola does a lot as well, and obviously moves Chris Jones around a lot. Um, Daniel Harms seems to think that Omanic is actually going to be used more as an inside rusher than a true edge rusher. Um, hmm. You know, he did give the caveat that, like, when Omenihu was practicing with the team and playing in the preseason, Chris Jones was not around. And so that could have been, like, their solution was trying to figure out who can play that Chris Jones role. And that could have been Omenihu's chance to to make plays. But um, that's another thing to keep an eye on, obviously, is how does Charles Omenihu uh, get used? Because he can he can rush on the inside. He can rush on the, the outside as well. He's basically like an Arden Key Nico Autry type of uh, edge rusher. Was he suggesting it's kind of like he flip flops wherever Chris Jones is? Pretty much. So Chris Jones edge. and Okay, gotcha. Pretty much. So George Karloftis is going to stay at edge. Mike Dana is going to mm-hmm. stay at edge. 
And then basically on the opposite side, he thinks that it's like Omenahu and, and Chris Jones are just going to flip-flop. <laughs> Get it together, Chargers. I Watching the first half of the game, I've only gotten through the first half of the offense. It felt like the left side was a little bit better at picking things up than the right side. And I think you pointed that out as much. But it really felt like the left side, yeah. there were losses, but it didn't feel like it was like a, a pickup issue. There was a really good one by Zion. Um, yeah. And the right side felt more mentally behind yeah and also some of that is just like natural recovery ability obviously slater and zion like they're just able to like they're able to get places faster than jamari and and trey can because of their athleticism and just natural ability but it it is concerning that the right side has not shown as much improvement against stunts as i would have liked um you know when the chart when they're given individual opportunities like if you're bull rushing Jamari, like you're not getting anywhere. He's so strong and stout at the point of attack. But when him and Trey have to block stunts up, it's it's just been a struggle. And you know, I tweeted out the the final video of the Micah Parsons sack, and you know, he's he's cutting inside, and I think it was Dorrance Armstrong was kind of looping around towards the middle, and then they also brought a nickel or a safety off of the edge, and Austin Eckler was there. But Trey like kind of got spooked a little bit by the pressure off the edge, and and it was just kind of a struggle, and it's been kind of a struggle for them to 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 pick up stunts. And this is a week where that's going to matter. You know, these these guys have to work things out a little bit more, uh, you know, more frequently because it's just been it's been a struggle with uh, with those with those two. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion and Tra- and Rashawn, I think, are really effective at picking up stunts. You know, and people are pointing out to like Corey Lindsay's out, but I actually think that's something that Will Clapp is really good at. He's mm-hmm. pretty good as the cleanup man. Like so somebody looping around towards Will Clapp. I feel like he's yeah. he generally picks that up. Well, it's, it's the inside rusher against Jamari and Trey that has been causing, causing problems. And it's Micah Parsons. It's Max Crosby. It's Jeffrey <laughs> Simmons. Like I get it, but at the same time, it's like, this has been an issue all season long. And, and you would have hoped that it would be a little bit more effective at this point. Yeah, I, I found that Jamari and Trey are the ones struggling the most here, and that Will Clapp is actually doing all right. Um, I don't think yeah. they've ever like gone after Will Clapp or made it more difficult for him. I always feel like it's right. it's Jamari, but no, I, I thought Will Clapp's been playing fine. But again, I only I only watched the first half of that game, so maybe the second yeah. half is terrible. I would tend to agree with that. Will Clapp is doing well. Um, I pointed this out after the Lindsay injury. This is this is the first time where he's like truly the guy as a center, you know with the saints he was mostly playing guard mm. last year it's it's like pickup duty here and there so they've given him given him will clap a lot more reps this year you know lindsley rest days during the summer now he's like the guy at center and i think he's playing well i do you know definitely there are some aspects of where they miss Corey lindsley from a protection standpoint because he's so smart at iding everything and and the leadership aspect too he's the leader of the guy in the room Everybody else is still relatively young uh, along the offensive line. So they, they miss Corey. I don't want to get it twisted, but I do think that Will Clapp is, is playing well. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the – we didn't really talk a ton about the injuries, but uh, I had some other things that I wanted to discuss here. Um, Derwin James, officially questionable. We'll see what happens there. Another game for Alohi Gilman with his heel injury. Um, this is three weeks, obviously, so – you know, maybe there was some consideration of placing him on IR. I don't know, um, but they need him back. You know, I think Dean Marlowe is is playing well, but 
I'm nervous about this one from from the safety perspective with Dean Marlowe and AJ Finley playing key roles. Jalen Hawkins probably has to play a little bit this week. We don't mm-hmm. know Derwin's status is. This is the worst possible week to have safety issues going up against Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so uh, it's just it's it's a tough spot. Second, the cornerback room has not played super great. Dean Leonard is out again. So it's the secondary is concerning right now. Dean Leonard, okay, obviously Derwin being out is the tougher one, but Dean Leonard being out is problematic because I feel like maybe you give Michael Davis on Travis Kelsey or you do something. Sure. I don't know. It's kind of worked before, but you, then you, who's the outside guy? Who's the other guy you use? I, I don't think that you have another guy there if Zon's your other outside guy. So Dean being out is kind of a problem here. So I feel like that would have helped a ton with their flexibility. So I don't know. I, I keep going back to, and I keep making the mistake in my head of, Oh, well, look, the last time they didn't have the safety and the safety group was in shambles. That was the Dolphins, right? And that was in last year's Dolphins game. But then I remember, well, at least Alohi was in that game. You know, they were yeah. missing Derwin and Bryce Callahan at slot. But at least they had Alohi Gilman, who had a good game. Without Gilman, without Derwin, obviously without JT Woods, without Dean Leonard. Uh, it's a rough one. And <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just expecting Mahomes to look great down the field. Um, thankfully they're not a team that throws bombs down the field, but still that the way that they'll attack the secondary and the safeties, it just, it just feels like those chunk plays like they did against the chargers last year. Everything was here's eight yards and then 15 more after the catch. And yeah, I don't, I don't know that Marlowe or Finley or Hawkins are guys that can really be plus guys, um, against Travis Kelsey. Unfortunately, you know, at least maybe there's some athleticism, you know, you can catch up to guys, Taco Bell, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't have a whole lot of confidence confidence in this group. Yeah, Daniel Popper pointed this out. Uh, with Derwin on the field against the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey is averaging two point something yards per route run. Without Derwin James on the field, Travis Kelsey against the Chargers is, is averaging over six yards per route run, which is an insane number. Anything over three is like, you're doing elite stuff, man. And uh, without Derwin, you're talking about six yards per route run. It's it's crazy. Um, some of that is other injuries, right? Like being mm-hmm. matched up with like Trey Marshall and stuff like that. But a lot of it too is just like catch and run and missed tackle opportunities. And um, the overtime game in 2021, I think at the end of the, like towards the end of the season, um, Travis Kelsey catches a, like a six yard slant and then takes it 55 yards to the house, like. Yeah, stuff yep. like that just cannot happen this week. You know, you can let Travis get his get his eight, get his nine yards, whatever the case may be. But if you don't have Derwin on the field, you have to absolutely rally and tackle and get Travis Kelsey on the ground. If you're talking about broken plays and this is a game where he has 100 yards after the catch, then it's going to be really, really tough sledding. So, you know, I, I wish Derwin were healthy. Travis Kelsey was talking on his own podcast that Derwin is his toughest matchup, that Derwin is the guy who gives him the most problems. And, you know, he spoke very highly of Derwin and, and you know, was watching every single one-on-one rep this week that he's ever had against Derwin James. And I'm sure Derwin was, was doing the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I know everybody's super down on Derwin right now. This is the worst possible game to not have Derwin because Derwin is the only guy really in the league that can – manage Travis Kelsey one-on-one you know you're never going to stop a guy like him but um Derwin against Travis has been the best player in the league at at defending him one-on-one so 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bummer, man. It is. Like you mentioned, I think I probably would put Michael Davis there, get physical with him, put him at the line of scrimmage. But that obviously requires Michael Davis going into the slot more often, you know, being around the line of scrimmage more often. So I don't know how how much we'll see that. But it, it, we've seen it sometimes in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it, it's it's tough to put your outside corner in the slot at the line of scrimmage and and fix everything around him that way. Yeah, I don't know what the game plan is going to be. It worked. Everyone is so like, oh, it's just Jake Ferguson. Like, they had a very clear plan to take away Jake Ferguson. And as we talked about in the preview, Jake Ferguson was more involved in the red zone than CeeDee Lamb, Brendan Cooks, or Michael Gallup. He's a good player, man. He's also a good player. Like, he's not Travis Kelsey, sure. But he's going to be like Hunter Henry, basically. Um, And would you, you know, and Derwin James was tasked with taking away Jake Ferguson or Hunter Henry. Like, I think that's a solid plan. Um, especially with how important he was and with Jerry Jones literally saying we should throw it to our tight ends more this week. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're going to go out and make sure that Jake Ferguson's taken away. And he was. Did a phenomenal job with that. Um, so it's unfortunate that with an actual tight end that fans know the name of, that he's going to be out. Because I think what they did with him against Ferguson last week worked really well. And now it's it's Dean Marlowe. And look, I'm not putting a ceiling on Dean Marlowe's, you know, game i guess you know he's been a pleasant surprise but i don't for sure believe the floor is that great either yeah yeah it's more fun to be there live for los angeles chargers football and when you need tickets ticket masters got you covered as the official marketplace of the los angeles chargers and the nfl Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat their interactive seat map gives you a 360 degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays and if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com chargers. Hey, Chargers fans, make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day experience this Sunday. We all know how well football and pizza go together. It's just like Keenan and Allen, Justin Herbert on game day. Make sure you order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. My personal favorite is the pepperoni and green pepper combination with the dynamite crazy red with the dipping sauce. It's my favorite game day experience to go to for food on Sunday afternoons. Speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza porta pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during game day. Bolt up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, uh, we'll get to our prize picks of the week here, and then we'll do our game picks as well. Uh, prize picks has been a great partner for us. We strongly encourage you guys to go check them out. Uh, it's the best and easiest daily fantasy sports app out there. Uh, it's just you against the numbers. All you have to do is pick a more or less line against your favorite players or, or favorite matchups. Um, and we strongly encourage you to go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty at checkout for a deposit match up to $100. Uh, using prize picks and our code really does help support the show. So please go check them out. Tyler, what are your favorite p- prize picks uh, of the week for the Chargers and Chiefs game? Okay, so for Patrick Mahomes, I have met more than 25.5 pass completions. They're not a team that is throwing it down the field the whole time, but that dink and dunk um, is something that they're very good at. And without the safeties, I just think that it's, again, Travis Kelsey, we get half of those. Rasheed Rice gets some more, etc. So I think the completions will be there for the for the Chiefs this week. Um, I had another one here. Oh, Austin Eckler at more than 12 and a half rushing attempts. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty low considering he even came back from injury. I think he had what 14 last week or whatever. Um, yeah. I, they, they, they talked about how the game plan going into that game against the Cowboys was that they were going to be run heavy and they never got to that really. But I think that would carry into this week. The Chiefs defense is not as great against the run. So I could see them definitely going uh, more on that one. And then just to, well, this immediately means I'm screwed now. But to pat myself on the back, uh, earlier in the week, Gardner Minshew at 218.5 passing yards. I'd hit less. And if you go to try to do that same one now, it's now Gardner Minshew at 193.5 pass yards. So it's dropped about 25 yards since uh, I jumped in earlier this week. So still, does... Oh, the over. I think he means over NSN. Someone take the over on Mahomes rushing yards. Says Alex. I wonder if there is a Mahomes rushing over. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Uh, So there's, you can get pass plus rush yards. Oh, you can get rush yards. Uh, Price Picks has that at 25.5. So that's pretty high for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, That is high. I don't know if I would take more than 25 and a half, but I wouldn't begrudge anybody from not choosing that given history. <laughs> you you can feel pretty comfortable with a lot of Chiefs overs this game. Yeah. I thought maybe like Pacheco because the Chargers run defense has been pretty good. Yeah, I, I think this is more of a, a dink and dunk game. Yeah, I was looking at Rasheed Rice. He's kind of been the the guy over the middle for the, the Chiefs this year. Um, he's their their new version of Juju Smith-Schuster. So, you know, the Chargers play a, a, a good amount of zone. Theoretically, we, they might play man this week. I don't know. But uh, he, his reception line is is 3.5. So that was a line that I liked more from the Chiefs perspective. That's maybe a little bit under the radar. Um, Austin Eckler, 34.5 receiving yards. I, I, th- I think I feel pretty good about that being more. Um, I mentioned, you know, Legereus Need, Trent McDuffie, great cornerbacks for the Chargers. I think this could be a game where we see some screens, some checkdowns to Austin Eckler, 
And listen, Austin Eckler is a great receiving back. So 34.5, I think for me, feels good there. Um, going back to the same kind of line of thinking, Josh Palmer is 48.5 receiving yards. I think that's less this week. Um, I'm just, I'm concerned about his matchup chances this week. And so if mm-hmm. you're, if you have him in fantasy, if you want to take the under here or the, excuse me, the less, um, I think those are our good decisions this week. So just for the Mahomes rushing yards thing, he had two attempts for negative one yards in week two last year. I'm assuming there's a kneel down in there. And then one rushing attempt for 23 yards. Um, The second game in 2021, he was, how does it say zero attempts, but 45 yards. How does that work? On scrambles, I'm guessing? Like non-scramble would still count as an attempt though. (laughs) It's a zero attempts for 45 yards. That's how good Mahomes is at rushing and scrambling. (laughs) Uh, And there's another one for one for 32 yards. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it's always like a a backbreaking time too for the for Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yay. So I don't know. Um, all right. Uh again, prizepicks.com slash guilty, code guilty at checkout for a deposit match of uh one hundred dollars on your first sign up. Um, okay, we'll get to our weekly picks here and then we'll we'll get to some questions for about 20 minutes. Um, from a record standpoint, Arjun is 13 and 10. Alex Katzen is 10 and 13. Alex Insdorf is 16 and 7. He's doing great with his, his NFL picks. It's the Chargers picks that have uh, really been biting <laughs> Alex in the ass so far. Um, Tyler is tied with Arjun at 13 and 10. And then I am at 12 and 11. So this week, Arjun has the Bills over the Patriots as his favorite of the week. The Lions over the Ravens as his underdog of the week. That was a pick I strongly considered as well. And then he has the Seahawks over the Cardinals, and he has the Chiefs winning 31 to 28. Alex Katzen has the Packers as his favorite of the week. Um, they're playing the Broncos, I believe. Yes. Um, he has the Arizona Cardinals as his underdog of the week, beating the, the Seahawks. So, chance for Alex Katzen to potentially make up some ground here as both Arjun and I have the Seahawks beating the Cardinals. And then he has the Washington Commanders. Uh, as his either or pick he has he also has the chiefs winning hmm. 31 to 23 alex insdorf has the rams over the steelers as his favorite of the week the atlanta falcons over the buccaneers as his underdog of the week and then the bills over the patriots as well and he has the chiefs winning 27 to 21 man arjun really went with the the bills over the patriots the seahawks over the cardinals and detroit is the upset over the ravens very bold over you, Arjun. No, I'm kidding. We left that for you, I think. Uh, I, I could have taken those. Here's my barn burner of picks. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and Brian <laughs> Hoyer. Over... You're choosing the backup bowl, huh? Oh, yeah, the backup bowl, 100%. Um, over, I've already forgotten the Bears quarterback's last name. Um, yeah, that's a fun one. Then I have uh, Cleveland over the Colts as my other either-or. Again, we just wanted to try some different things. Um, I was the first person to take um detroit over baltimore so i felt like okay if i take that one which feels pretty good i'll like try to make my other ones more difficult so yeah uh cleveland over indy and vegas over chicago um and then for this game for the chargers i do have kansas city winning so i'm gonna say loss uh chargers lose 24 to 27 um i I gotta see this offense start to pick it up and, and really start scoring again before i believe in uh, they're scoring ceiling a bit more. And then the Chiefs defense is, again, very good. Um, anything that isn't a Drew Tranquil ge- uh, revenge game will be a success, in my opinion. 
<laughs> that's sad. That's sad. But that's where we're at. Um, yeah, I'm not picking the Chargers to win. They they have to show it to me first. Um, this is a team that's really struggling with consistency. They're struggling with, you know, key moments and key situations. Like I, I keep on going back to these kind of decisions, you know, Donald Parham running out of bounds prematurely, Keenan Allen running out of bounds prematurely, the penalties. There's just execution things that are popping up in in key situations left and right that are really holding this team back. I think for you know the first quarter and most of the second quarter this team is pretty good and i think for most of the third quarter most of the fourth quarter this team is pretty good but the chiefs have so much experience they have like whatever you think of the quarterback patrick mahomes is the most close quarterback i've I've ever seen in my entire life just always shows up in these key moments um the game is at arrowhead like it it's just everything's stacking up against the chargers this week now it would be very classic chargers to win this game and i hope they do but i just i can't pick them to win you know this this team is is just in prove it mode and uh this is a do or die situation essentially you know they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs with the loss of course in week seven um but alex insorf pointed this out on twitter the other day uh or it might have been this morning actually you know their playoff odds basically double if they win and if they lose you're talking about a team with like around 20 percent of a playoff chance so it's just really frustrating. It's a frustrating spot to be in. They should have beaten the Titans. You know, they should have beaten the Cowboys. I don't necessarily begrudge them for not beating the Dolphins, although they probably should have won that game too. So, you know, this team is two and three. They could very easily be four and one or, or three and two or whatever. But the situational football is is just really biting this team in the ass. So until they figure it out, I am not picking them to beat good teams. And the Chiefs are a really good team. I know some people have pointed out like the offense is kind of struggling, but it just feels like they're kind of playing with their food a little bit on offense and trying to figure some things out and experiment with some things. You know, I, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, the doubt to the Chiefs because they have the best quarterback in football, the best tight end in football, and the best head coach play caller in football. So uh, I'm going to say Chiefs win. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I do think the offense bounces back. Um, I'll say 30 to – 27 chiefs win sounds like a harrison butker field goal to end things or yeah sounds um, about right unfortunately but like i said i do i do trust the offense to figure things out this week i think they'll bounce back but i just yeah uh, i can't trust this team to win until we see otherwise I, I honestly could have even I could have even picked them to win if Mike Williams are back and one of Corey Lindsay or Derwin James. Then I could talk myself into it. But without Mike, you know, I got to see the ceiling of this offense. Without Derwin, there goes whoever is going to cover Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, unfortunate. Um, I'll pick them to win against the Bears next week. There's that. Yes. But yes. Uh, <laughs> especially if they're not, especially if they're playing Tyson Bajit. Although who knows, maybe he has a really great game and then just put me out of my misery. I just, I, we'll talk about the Bears when we get there. But them having an undrafted free agent as their backup quarterback is is a choice. Um, all right, so uh, we'll get some questions now. We'll take questions for about twenty minutes ish, depending on how the questions roll in. So um, super chats always appreciated. I saw we got one earlier from Tyler's mom. As always, that's uh, 
Um, always appreciated. She's crushing it on prize picks, and you guys can crush it on prize picks too. So go take advantage. Um, Alex Insorf over under Taylor Swift cutaways in attendance. <laughs> it's not available on prize picks. It should be though. Um, I would say at least I would say over under two and a half. Over for sure. If we count pregame, then that that's definitely an over. If we count during the game. I mean, it's Travis Kelsey versus Dean Marlowe, so I feel like Taylor Swift is going to be celebrating a lot. <laughs> All respect to Dean Marlowe, but that is Travis Kelsey. So, like, it's going to so be a bit. Like, Travis has, like, a big play, a touchdown. Cut away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cut away to Taylor. I'd love to see Taylor Swift if, like, Jeremy James body slams Kelsey at the two-yard line again, then cut away to Travis to yeah. Taylor Swift, but uh, not happening. Yeah. Man. Is a miserable one. What familiar yet unexpected way do we predict the Chargers to give us all a heart attack this week? Uh, intercept Mahomes and then fumble it, and uh, the Chiefs Ooh. recover. Ooh, I'm going to say they get out to a 14 to zero lead and then blow it. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> if they're 14 they to zero and lose, oh my God! I feel like the last couple of games, like the Chargers do start out strong, and then it's the Andy Reid yes. Mahomes whatever show. So. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm going to say they, they start out 14-0, and then... Arjun, tweet, Arjun tweeted about this. Let me find it. Ooh. Hmm. Ooh, he answered his own question. He thinks an egregious penalty mistake. That's a lock, um, regardless of what point in the game that happens. Or Quentin Johnson has a great catch, and then he runs and fumbles in the red zone. And okay. we'll all say... This is, this, is just, this is just featuring Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Okay. So this is in chronological order from 2020 down. Uh, Chargers were up 14 to six and lost. Chargers up 14 to three and lost. That would have been at Arrowhead 2021. Uh, 14 to 10 at halftime and lost. Up 10 to seven at halftime and lost. And up 20 to 13 at halftime and lost. So the Chargers have <laughs> led the Chiefs at halftime. Every single time that Patrick Mahomes has matched up with Justin Herbert, and the Chargers have only won one of those games. Great. So that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. A lot of comments. Let's see some questions. <clears throat> I think we got a second super chat. Yeah. Uh, Michael Devries, appreciate Michael, one of the guys I interact most with on Twitter, I feel like. Um, why do you think the running game has gone all to hell? Lindsley, Slater injury, what do you make of this? I was just charting this, and I, I, I kid you not, I can bring it up. I made a Google Doc titled, Why Run Game No Good? And <laughs> I was just going through and charting like what the issue was on each play. And I never really found a consistent answer for anybody on this one. Maybe there's a certain yeah. like calls versus timing sort of thing, but it was like, okay, blocked well, except for Donald Parham blocked well, except for Jamari blocked. Well, Austin Eckler does not hit the hole and is dancing for some reason, not blocked. Like there was no consistent answer that I had for it. You know, I yeah. couldn't just point to you and say, Oh, the right side, you know, with the, the garden tackle, that's what's killing them. No, it's kind of like everybody, like it was everybody which is why you're so inefficient. You know, if you are that bad as a rushing offense as they have since week two, it's not just really a one person thing. It is, it is everyone. And maybe there are some call issues there as well, 
but it just really felt like everybody was to blame for this. Yeah, that's that is fair. Um, you know, Corey Lindsay being out is definitely contributing. Slater's injury is definitely contributing. Although, like I talked about on Thursday, I think the biggest area where Rashawn is being affected by his injury is is being explosive in his stance in pass protection. To me, the tight end blocking is the is the main issue. And I would say the second issue. <clears throat> Actually, how do I want to how do I want to put that? The second issue I would say is it is running back inconsistencies. I think mm-hmm. Joshua Kelly left the meat left some meat on the bone against the Titans and the Vikings and the Raiders. Um, some of that is that he's he's a backup running back and and that's fine. Um, but there were definitely some times where he bounced too early or he missed a bounce and and then Austin Eckler this week too had some decision-making issues that we weren't necessarily accustomed to. But at the same time, this past week, the biggest issue was the tight end blocking because the the Cowboys traditionally play heavy boxes, and this week it was, like, taken to the next level. Like, I think they were very well prepared for the the Chargers run game, and the Chargers just did not have the blockers to to answer for it. So it's a lot of everything, but for me, the biggest issue is, is very clearly the tight end blocking, which, like, shocker, who would have guessed that one? Only all of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, there's just really just no displacement from these tight ends. Uh, well, displacement forward. Um, they're certainly getting displaced, but there's no there's no on a pocket push, if you will. There's nothing where the, the running backs can operate. Again, Eckler's yards, I think about 27 yards last game and 24 were after contact. Yeah. I mean, it's only it three was, yards. This past game was contact. a rough game in general, like everybody, like you mentioned. But yeah, um, yeah. Kind of a follow up on this one. Oh, sorry. Did you have something else? No, I just uh, Eddie Dale was talking about. So tight end in round two. Uh, listen, we've we were going tight end pretty routinely in the first three rounds of every mock draft we did yep. this past off season. And yeah, it's if if Kellen is the offensive coordinator still next year you have to figure out tight end. Like, you cannot run the same group back. Gerald Davis is a free agent. Trey McKitty has not worked out. He's in the, He would be in the last year of his contract. Uh, Donald Parham has next year still on his contract, but he's on a very cheap deal. So, like, you have to get a more functional tight end group in here. And I, I think as pass catchers, I think you feel really good about Everett Parham and Stone Smart. I think that trio is is pretty good from a receiving standpoint. But you can't have three undersized receivers as your three main tight ends. Like you need a legitimate blocking tight end here. It's why we talked about signing Jeff Swain. It's why we talked about signing Mercedes Lewis. You could trade for those one of those guys if you wanted to. Probably throw a seventh round pick their way. Um, but yeah, you you have to get a more functional blocking unit if Kellen Moore is going to be really regardless of whoever your your offensive coordinator is like this group cannot be just run back you like you have to get more functional tight ends in here mm-hmm. I mean Stone Smart is like two years removed from playing quarterback and he's a better blocker than Trey McKitty right now Okay, uh, Demetrius, do you guys think going forward we should follow the formula of the Niners and Eagles and invest heavy in the D-line and draft well in secondary and develop? Uh, neither of those teams really draft the secondary. Um, 
they draft mostly D-line offensive line. Um, if you look at the Eagles secondary, it's a lot of veterans that they sign for cheap and then potentially extend. Same thing with the 49ers. Um, it, I don't think you have to follow any one formula to win. You know, I, I definitely am in favor of building up the trenches as much as you can. Um, That's not what Twitter says. Yeah, yeah. Some guy says he stopped following the podcast because I, I stopped talking about the offensive line. So <laughs> not sure what that podcast that guy's listening to. Um, but I think in general, like it is a sound, you know, process to invest in the trenches. And, and the Chargers have done a much better job of that under Brandon Staley. They've taken two offensive linemen in several drafts since then, you know, obviously drafting two Lee. Chris Rump hasn't necessarily worked out, but they at least drafted him. So, you know, could you be a little bit more intentional about that? Sure. But I wouldn't be shocked if they took an edge rusher in the first two rounds next year because you have the Joey and Khalil situation. Um, So I I think it just kind of depends. But I think yes and no to this question. Yeah, the the answer is really just depends. Um, Yeah. But again, I, I keep going back to corn. I don't know this draft class at all. So I have no idea what the strength of the draft is in terms of where the chargers might be and what corners are available. But it just feels like it's about due time for a player in the secondary in the first round. It really just a player on defense in the first round, you know, to Staley's, I don't know if credit's the right word, but like he's been deferring. It's been a lot of offense, but offense, offense, offense in the first round. So it, it is time, regardless of who's here, to invest in the defense and in particular in the secondary. Yeah, I think most of the offense is going to be set for next year. Like most of yeah. these guys are going to come back. Um, running back, you'll have to figure out. Tight end, you'll have to figure out. But like the offensive line should be set. You can definitely take a center in like the third, fourth round, depending on what Corey Lindsley's issues are. But your receiving room is mostly set. So like it is time for defense. They're going to look very different on defense. And I've kind of been like, thinking about this and the way that like the chargers have gone about defense. And like you just mentioned, they've kind of been heavy draft on offense, heavy free agency on defense. Mm -hmm. I think in the modern NFL, like the best way to formulate your defense is to go heavy in the draft, draft and develop philosophy. And then you fill in the gaps with like cheap, solid veterans. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, when the chargers move off of these contracts, and you have kind of this soft reset on defense. You want more young players and just like solid, cheap veterans, you know, like your Kyle Vannoy contract, your Morgan Fox contract, your Bryce Callahan contract. Um, kind of Eric Kendricks. He's kind of been not super great, but um, it, I think you want more young players on defense and less veterans is what I'm saying, because I just think you look at the common thread of these other teams is that like you heavy, you're like, you're heavy on the young players. You fill in with cheap veterans, mm-hmm. and then those young players get new contracts, and you replace the cheap veterans with other young players in the draft. And I think that's just kind of like the cycle that you're wanting from a defensive perspective. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, Robert or Roberto, excuse me. Any updates on JT Woods and Corey Lindsley? Um, no, uh, the Chargers have not talked about either of them. <clears throat> I've seen Corey on the sidelines at games. I don't. Mm-hmm recall seeing JT Woods very often, but I'm sure he's there. Um, Both of them have to miss this game and next game at minimum before they can come back. 
Um, but I don't know where either of those players currently stand with their health because the team uh, does not talk about it. Do you feel Guyton and Otito return next week? I think Jalen Guyton does. I think mm-hmm. they'll give Otito another week after that because Jalen Guyton said he feels 100%. He's just kind of acclimating to the rest of the team and the process and everything like that. So I think we see Jalen Guyton activated next week. And I think we see Otito back for another week because he's he's got to get used to all like the trench stuff and like really yeah. trust his leg. Whereas Jalen says he's 100%. He's just working on the offense. So I, I think mm-hmm. we see Jalen next week and Otito the week after that. Yeah, everyone's returning at the... I got Imagine the narrative, the positive momentum of the Chargers win this game and that everybody's kind of returning. You know, even if they don't return against the Bears, it's I think they'll be fine regardless. You know, and you feel you're feeling good heading into New York game. Um, they lose, and it, it feels like too little, too late. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of who they would cut if Jalen and Otito come back? That's a great question. I'd have to see who they've sort of recently signed. Like, is Zach Bailey still? Zach Bailey's still on the roster, active roster. Mm-hmm. Elijah Dotson's on the active roster. You have yeah, so Dotson. Oh yeah, that's true. Christopher so Hinton, they, they, who they've already cut this year. Yeah, Hinton, Hinton, Fahoko, Dotson, probably some combination of those, depending on who returns. So if it's if it's Guyton, then I think Fahoko's probably gone. Um, yeah, because they Fahoko was inactive last game, right? Active for Raiders, inactive against the where they just played yeah. Cowboys. Yeah, anyway, I, I think Fahoko will be active this week, though, because I like I think him not being active last week was more about like the Josh Palmer injury and wanting to have Keelan Doss, who they're probably a little bit more comfortable with from a playbook and receiving standpoint. Um, but without Dean Leonard, mm-hmm. no Raheem Lane, I think we see yeah. Fahoko active this week. Oh, Tanner Muse. Yeah, what about him? that could be one? Oh, they're just bringing up people that could be oh, cut. They could cut. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Although Eamon's hurt, so I don't know. Oh, that's Eamon's right. Injury. That's right. And okay. special teams will still be good. Yeah, because Ryan Ficken's amazing, man. I loved that. I wish somebody would have asked him about the Jasir Taylor thing, but somebody yeah. did ask him about the Dean Marlowe block where he was like running sideways like that. Um, Ryan Ficken just like, it's incredible, man. He gets these players, like Dean Marlowe signed after cutdown day. And he just he just locked in on special teams, you know. Tanner Muse comes over from this from the Steelers, locked in on special teams. Raheem Lane, undrafted free agent, locked in on special teams. Like Ryan Ficken is awesome. I love Ryan Ficken. Yeah, me too. He's fantastic. Um, so the question from Christian Red: What do y'all think about Kenneth Murray's performance this year? He's definitely been a top five player in the defense. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me actually think if that's true or not. I don't know if the second half of that question is really saying much though. <laughs> True. So I'd say so. Tuli, Max still has to probably be up there. I think. Yeah. Probably Morgan Fox. Yeah. I think Sebastian Joseph Day has been really good. Um, it's tough because we didn't see a lot of Alohi. Obviously, haven't seen a whole lot of Derwin. Yeah. Not the secondary players. I would say your fifth is probably Kenneth or Asante. Yeah. But like you said, we haven't seen Derwin. We haven't seen Alohi all that much. Like that is factored in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's been well, I guess I think we said at the bye, it was the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. And then I thought he had a pretty solid <clears throat> game against the Cowboys in terms not coverage wise, but line of scrimmage wise, which is all I can ask yeah. for at this point. Yeah. And so yeah, it's been solid. It's it's nowhere near what we've seen from Drew or Kaiser in their better years, but it is still significantly better than what we saw last year from Kenneth Murray, really the last two years. Yeah, there's been growth there for sure. They mm-hmm. whatever they're doing from a run defense standpoint is really allowed him to play more aggressive. He's more decisive. You know, like his tackle for loss on Pollard that it, we talked about earlier from when Thule took on the pulling guard, stuff like that wasn't happening. You know, he was you know, like he would kind of slide over mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe hit Tony Pollard in the hole. But for that to be a tackle for loss, I think really shows where he's grown at. Like you mentioned, coverage still an issue. You know, the, at the very end of the game, if Dak Prescott throws like a tiny bit of a better route than Tony Pollard scores on a wheel route. Um, PFF mm-hmm. credited credited him with the Tony Pollard broken play, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. He wasn't even really like close to Tony Pollard. Um, but coverage is still an issue. I th- I still hope like eventually Deion Henley can get on the field a little bit more and take mm-hmm. some of that away from Kenneth Murray and really just allow Kenneth to focus on the run. But at the same time, he's calling the plays right now. So he's the one that's always out there as opposed to Eric Kendricks, which is kind of what we thought would be the case heading into the season. I, I, you know, I didn't even pay attention to that storyline last game that Kenneth Murray was still the green dot guy. Yep, he's still calling the plays. Hmm. <laughs> Odds he returns if if this regime is still together. Kenneth Murray? Mm-hmm. I think the odds have increased. Mm-hmm. But you kind of drafted his replacement last year. I guess I, I guess or that Kendrick's replacement. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like it maybe depends what you do with Kendrick. So maybe you kind of try and free up some money by cutting Kendrick's and Sebastian Joseph Day instead of one of the bigger guys, and maybe you sign Murray back to a one-year, three-million-dollar deal kind of thing. Was the linebacker market horrible last year? Yes. I think okay. that's part of the reason why Drew ended up on a minimum contract in Kansas City as opposed to other places. I'm not ready for that game, man, tomorrow. <laughs> like, we've seen revenge games for sure. Yeah. But this just feels so specifically set up to be a revenge game in the perfect way for Drew. Uh, I need Gerald Everett to just run him over for 50 yards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think Kenneth Murray's playing well. Odds that he comes back, I think, are still trending towards no, but mm-hmm. he's played well enough that I think the odds are increasing in his favor. But like, this team's not going to have very much money, and like, you know, re-signing Kenneth Murray probably not super high up on my priority board for next year. No, definitely not. But I don't know. We'll see. Got, I got a. Pay one of these linebackers at some point. Yes. They <laughs> paint Kenneth Murray instead of guys here and Drew, man. <laughs> think think about where this defense would be at right now if they still had guys right and Drew Tranquil. I don't know. Secondary still stinks, so I don't know. <laughs> but last yeah. year they would have been better with both of them. 100%. 100%. 
All right. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? Guys, if it's anything other than a loss tomorrow, I will be very happy on this live stream. We'll go live tomorrow after Sunday Night Football. I'm expecting a loss. This is the worst I felt about the Chargers facing the Chiefs in quite some time. And I think they're going to lose. And I think that tomorrow the season unofficially comes to an end. So look, anything other than that would be awesome because financially, you know, it'd be nice to head into the Christmas season and the holiday season with wins and views, not losses and uh, no views because boy, it is struggling anywhere you look right now. The, the I feel like the fans are 24, say 28 hours from checking out. So hopefully they don't. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully this is a win. Um, this team, you know, that has performed well with their backs against the wall and their back is certainly against the wall tomorrow against the Chiefs. So um, appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, again, if you missed any of our videos this week, we had bolt breakdowns from Alex Insdorf. We had Alex Katzen's roundup from college football and the Chargers scouting visits, Arjun and his Chargers analytics, my interviews with Daniel Harms, the Chiefs film analyst, and Tuli Tuipolotu. Please go check those out. Uh, like Tyler said, we really appreciate any extra views that you guys can give us at this point. Uh, share the podcast with a friend and uh, leave us a rating review, like the show, subscribe, all that good stuff really does help us continue to grow the show throughout the rest of the season. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. That's going to do it for us today. We'll see you tomorrow after Sunday Night Football. As always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.